Christian Parenting. Are you struggling to balance your modern life and your faith? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Legacy Dads Podcast with Dave and Dante, offering biblical-based wisdom and that weekly dose of what truly works in men's lives. The Legacy Dads Podcast, real men, authentic faith. Here are your hosts of the Legacy Dads Podcast. They're authentic, transparent, and not always politically correct. Dave and Dante. Hey everyone, welcome to Legacy Dads. This is Dante with my partner Dave. Dave, what is up? Should I call you like, you know, fisher by, fisherman by the sea or like, did you actually work when you were down in Belize or like, what did you do? I you did actually. Little, I mean, you know, for a guy that says he's working, you know, that tan does not look like it was a 24-7 work. I'm just saying for the record. I would, I would love to be able to tell you what I did down there in Belize, but I can't. I'd have to kill you. If you tell me you have to kill me, well, you'd have to get behind a long line of people, buddy. Let me just tell you that, all right? <laughs> I will. Long I will say line. I was I was highly unsuccessful in locating our lost brother Lance. I know he's down there somewhere, uh, but uh, but weren't able to link up this time. Yeah, that that's his story. He was probably avoiding you. You know, lack of accountability. He's out there with his wife, and he's an empty nest. Although he did have Chance and his daughter and a friend uh, there with him, so. Maybe they were like, you know, given to missions or fishing or, you know, maybe hotel hopping or, or something like that. But yeah, what, you know, one of these days, maybe we'll hear the adventures of Lance and Jen, you know, see what God's got them up to and all that. But, you know, interesting, interesting uh, here today. You got me, you, I got to admit, you know, we were talking about this topic and, you know, you kind of, you, you, you kind of hit on the points. I mean, Whenever you talk about discipleship, Dave, it's like cha-ching, and then you get into it, and you get into like, okay, well, five points of discipleship, and now you really got my attention. So I kind of like where you're going with this, but before we do that, let's get a little business out of the way, okay? Legacy Dads, this podcast is for men, husband, father, and fathers in all stages of life where we promote and advocate proven biblical principles for leaving a lasting legacy. With that, Dave, tell us what we're uh, looking forward to in the next couple podcasts. Absolutely. So, as I've been going through um, some of my studies for this uh, for this degree that I'm pursuing, I've I've really started to enjoy some of the things that I've been reading, and I think you know, I think some of the information just needs to be shared. I think we, you know, it's just a good opportunity to say, okay, I've learned something. Let's go ahead and and, and pass it forward a little bit, and so. You know, we've we've got a, a series of podcasts coming up, and we're just going to look at the stages of discipleship. When people come to Christ, there is a, there's a drastic change, and there are a lot of things that are going on that, you know, when we're from a legacy dad perspective or from a Christian perspective, we have to make sure that we are helping to shepherd and disciple these individuals in an appropriate manner so that they can continue to progress through different levels of maturity uh, as, as they grow in their spiritual formation, as they grow in their discipleship, uh, as they grow to be, um, you know, just to continue to glorify God and, and the things that he's done. But there's also a very important stage that we have to recognize. And that's what happens before we, we have that, uh, that change, you know, when we're, when we're spiritually dead. And that's what this episode is going to be all about. And when I think about being spiritually dead, it doesn't really conjure up that lovely of images. When we think about dead things, we don't expect them to be 
really producing any fruit, whether it's a tree or if it's an animal, it's not reproducing or anything like that. And so when I think about Christians before they've had that moment in their lives where, you know, now they're actively pursuing Jesus and they're pursuing a relationship with him, they're spiritually dead. And so I think it's important for us to understand what that looks like in terms of you know, how we're interacting with individuals like that and some of the challenges that we might face when it comes to, you know, running into a person who is spiritually dead, who does not have a relationship, who might be openly hostile against having a relationship with Jesus. And so that's the point of this episode. The next one is going to be about being infants, i.e. just after, you know, your conversion and then growing into childhood and then into being a young adult and then being uh, into or becoming into a parent. And all of this is based off of a book that I was reading as, as part of my studies, and it's called Disciple Shift by Jim Putnam, Bobby Harrington, and Robert E. Coleman. Disciple Shift, five steps that help your church make to make disciples who make disciples, which, you know, when you look at the life of the church, it's important that we are continuing to seek and save the lost like Jesus, or, you know, seek to identify those that Jesus can seek and save and bring to himself so that we can continue to grow more disciples and continue the work that he has started in his church. What do you say? I like that. I mean, you know, a good uh, scripture application for our listeners, you know, in the process of where we're dead is Colossians 2, 13 to 15. Um, You were once dead because your failures and your uncircumcised corrupt nature. But God made you alive with Christ when he forgave all our failures. He did this by erasing the charges that we brought against us by written laws uh, God uh, had established. He took the charges away by nailing them to the cross. He stripped the rulers and the authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory of Christ. But prior to that, each and every one of us, you know, whether you're a 50-year-old, 70-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 10-year-old, 5-year-old, one-day-old Christian, you were once dead, spiritually dead, and you were um, had no hope. You couldn't you will yourself to life and just say, I'm going to come to a point of knowing God. Um, you were at enmity with God. You were once considered an enemy of God. And so I, I think that's a great place. You know, it's a sober place, Dave, for us to start and to really take it into perspective as far as the rest of the stages, but like, what is our part in doing this? So with that, go ahead, Dave, why don't you start us out where where we're going with this? So I think the, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand what spiritually dead kind of people, I guess, what their characteristics will be like, you know, and and I've already kind of talked about that. You know, when you look at, when you look at dead things, they're decomposing, they're breaking down over time. They're not producing any sort of fruit. They're not reproducing any sort of living creatures or anything like that. And so obviously we don't expect a dead tree to just magically come back to life and start doing things. And so when we look at a spiritually dead person, we don't, we can't set our expectations so high and expect them to be producing fruit. They're not going to, they haven't reached the stage of justification. It's like walking up to like a, a like a coffin and looking at the person that you're visiting and just saying, "Hey, can you get up and make me lunch today?" I mean, like you're expecting something that yeah. you're never going to get, and it's, so that's that's. Yeah, I hate to use that; it's a little bit morbid, but I mean that's kind of our expectation, right? Is that we expect this decaying or this dead creature or individual to be able to all of a sudden wake themselves up and and do the things that we do. 
Absolutely. And and when you look at it even further, right, when you encounter people like this, they, they could be spiritually dead for a variety of reasons. Maybe they just have not had the, the gospel preached to them. Maybe they just have not been introduced to it, for lack of better words. Or maybe they're angry. Maybe they were hurt by the church in the past. And they just, they have, they refuse to believe that there is a God any longer, or they just, they think that the Bible is, you know, just a bunch of stories that are made up. And I'll just use this as a plug. If, if you have not read the case for Christ, you can clearly look at a lot of the evidence that shows that the Bible is not just a bunch of made up stories, but you know, they, it, it just, when you look at a spiritually dead person, there are all kinds of different characteristics. It might just be unbelief. It might be you know, just actively rebelling against Christ or against, you know, God and in, in, in all of his majesty and all of his glory. But when you think about that, we, we as Christians and we as legacy dads, if we're looking at our kids in this sort of, who are in this sort of stage, we don't need to be surprised at, it's like you said, Dante, at some point we were in that boat as well. Whether you remember it or not, at some point you were. And so it's up to us to recognize what's going on there. And you know what? I think we probably need to maybe fall back to the golden rule. When you look at Matthew 7, verse 12, you know, treat others as you want to be treated. When we look at spiritually dead people, I think it's very easy for us to to turn a blind eye to them or to just give up on them or say, what? You know, I'm not qualified to talk to this person. They're you know, they need to go talk to a counselor or something like that. Well, maybe they tried that in the past and maybe they don't have the funding to do that anymore, but maybe you can sit down and you can have a cup of coffee with them and just talk about life because of the way that you're interacting with them. No matter where you're at in your process of sanctification, they're going to see that. And so, you know, when you, when you think about these spiritually dead people, you know, I mentioned some of the things that they might be saying, you know, I don't believe there's a God or, you know, Hey, everything's going to be okay. When I die, there's, you know, I've, I've been a good person and, you know, there is no absolute right. There's no absolute wrong. You will hear a variety of these different things from the mouths of these individuals. Maybe they don't feel, you know, they're, they're like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person and I don't connect to any one religion or I don't, you know, whatever that might be. I mean, there are just so many different ways that um, you'll be able to identify uh, these individuals, not only through their words, but also through their actions. And so our job is to recognize that, to make sure that our expectations are in the right place, and then to move forward and see if we can start getting them, I guess, on the right path. Yeah, I, I like that, Dave. You know, one of the guys that I, I lead, he, he runs our worship for our men's ministry, Jim yeah, he he likens it to imagine if we were just walking down the street, you and I, and we were just having a conversation exactly about this. And we look over and there's this huge apartment building and, you know, whatever rhyme or reason, it's on fire. And there's a bunch of people in there that are going to burn and die. And, and there's going to be no way out from, you know, smoke asphyxiation to, you know, burning to whatever else like that. And you had the power within you to rescue these people. And, and or let them just die in the fumes or the asphyxiation and everything else like that. And you and I look at each other and we're like, of course, we're not going to let these people burn and die. Right. And so we would do what it takes. We would make a phone call. We would run in there. We'd make sure that we were safe and do whatever we can do to get these people to safety or get them the help that they need to live. And I, I think that is just a natural 
anybody would come up to that conclusion of, of being and knowing the right thing, right? And then to what you're saying here, as far as the spiritual application of this, the spiritual dead, if we don't want people that we see in a burning building to die, maybe a good exercise for our listeners here today is think about that one person in your life, whether it's their habit, their sexuality, their lifestyle, their upbringing, or anything else that you have just learned to just be the despiser of that. And you, in your prayer, your life, or your walk would say, anybody but that one, Lord, I'd talk to, or I'd witness to. Okay. And then maybe if we start looking at it like, no, that's exactly the person that I need to be talking to because they're dead spiritually and they have no hope. And what if I'm the one conversation of just showing love and respect? Listen, there's a big difference here of loving on somebody and treating them as you would be treated versus showing them that you accept their lifestyle. Okay. If they ever get to that point where you're friends and then they know your belief structure and they, and you're able to share your life and your value system and your beliefs, that's a different conversation. But if they're, if they're dead in sin, they're dead in transgression and they don't know you from Adam and you don't know them from Adam, but you approach that person and you just are a good neighbor treating them the way that you would like them to treat you. Isn't that a great place to start, Dave? Isn't that a great place to have a conversation, to give somebody a drink of water, uh, some food, you know, some money if they're short or they're broken or desperate? You know, that's the thing is like if we can provide that example, you know, we look at that and we look at like some of the parables that Jesus did, right? You know, as far as that, that one person that none of the Jews would ever associate with, And yet the good Samaritan helps this person that's robbed, that's beaten, that's left for dead and the Samaritan. And, you know, they have their own prejudices by the Jews that couldn't stand them. But Jesus keenly uses this person as an example that he showed this person love. He showed this person respect. He got him to a place to say, whatever it takes, here's the money. And if I owe you more when I get back from my business, I'll pay you the difference. Please take care of him, provide for him. Is that not a way when he came back from his business to talk to this person that was victimized to sit there and say, let me tell you the good news that God has done for me. Just some application for our listeners. I really like that. And, you know, you, you keep on mentioning what Jesus did. I go back to the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector from Luke 19. And I'm just going to read this. It's just a few verses. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Look, Jesus was passing through this town, right? He was passing through Jericho. He was on his way somewhere else. And he stopped for a moment. 
And he had this moment with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, in terms of, you know, people you would hate in, in, in context in that time, chief tax collectors are pretty much at the top of the list because they would not only collect taxes, but they would take extra so that they, they could essentially, you know, fill up their pockets as well. And so he was not a, a very well-loved person. But Jesus, understanding that as he was passing through, took the extra moment to look at this person who nobody else liked, who everyone else despised and, and just turned away from and stayed at this man's house and gave him an opportunity to have that salvific moment where he can step in and say, yes, Jesus, like this is, this is the life that I want to live. I'm going to give away my possessions and I'll pay back four times what I've taken from people. And you see how Jesus reacts. And, you know, when you, when you look at just before, you know, that sort of interaction, the life that Levi must have, a correction, that um, Zacchaeus must have been living, you know, living according to worldly passions and putting himself into situations where people just despised him. I can't imagine that's any different than what spiritually dead people might feel like sometimes. You know, sometimes when I, when I look back at, at my own testimony and I think about, you know, life five or six or eight years ago, there were so many things that I was so focused on just covering up and trying to hide from that it just got heavy and I was dead. I was spiritually dead. I didn't, you know, I didn't have an active relationship with Jesus. I didn't understand anything about that. And so I know that from personal experience. I know what that feels like. And so when we, when we look and when we encounter spiritually dead people as Christians, the first thing that we have to do is we have to love them. We have to love them and, and, and show them what that looks like through the lens, you know, through being just a believer in Christ. Like, just show them what that looks like. It doesn't matter what their circumstances are. Are they a tax collector? Are they totally focused on money? I mean, we just spent a couple weeks talking about idolatry. What are they putting before God? Guess what? Our job as Christians is to love them anyway. And, and our, our words are great. But if our actions don't back up our words, then they're going to look at us and be like, you're a hypocrite. Like, why am I going to listen to you? Is this Christianity? Is this all I have to do is just say the right things? Yeah, I can live like hell and judge and and be a hypocrite. But, you know, yeah, if that's Christianity, if that's what you mean by being a disciple, I'm out. I don't want any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, no one... No one likes seeing two-faced people. I, I, you know, I don't think that's a that's a far stretch to you know to say about assumptions about most people. No one likes to see anyone who's two-faced or hypocritical. And so, those are just a couple of things. So, Dante, over to you. In terms of you know when you encounter a spiritually dead person, what are some things that you think would be able to um, just kind of help? I guess build the foundation for maybe this person just needs some active discipleship. What do we got to do? Yeah, and I, I think you know you start out with knowing your weaknesses, right? So I, I remember one time I was uh, in a um, in a men's group, at, and we do on Saturday morning. We were in this, uh, we were a lot smaller. We we're in this boardroom, and one of these guys was like loving it. He goes, "Man, this is awesome! We should all share our numbers, and we should do this, and we should do that." And I'm like, "Hey, you know, nails on a chalkboard. Like, not all of us are in the right place." He said. I think, you know, if we want to walk with guys, get together, that's great. And I'm just a little bit reserved as far as everybody coming together under all one umbrella, you know, like let's walk and be intentional. And I was trying to explain it. And then one brother goes, I got this. 
So I said, oh boy, okay, so what, what do you got? And he goes, so like if I have a problem with drinking and Dante has a problem with porn and I say, hey, Dante, I'm going to help you with your porn problem and keep you accountable, you know, let's meet at the bar and talk. And he goes, so six to 10 beers later, I haven't helped you and you haven't helped me and we're both struggling. Now, if we take that to a spiritually dead person, that application, if I can't trust myself being at a bar and having one beer or two beers and being real with a brother, maybe I can go to that same person and say, hey, would you like to get coffee sometime? Would you like to come to my house and break bread? Um, how about we meet you know, out for Taco Tuesday or do something? But the reality of it is like not being afraid to go into the world and be in the world, but not of the world. And I think when you put that application on, so back to my challenge to our listeners is like, think of that one person you're like, anybody but that person, Lord, I'll witness to. And maybe, you know, here's another thing. You know, if you're not like, you know, when I grew up as a teenager, you know, uh, uh, fire and brimstone kind of preaching and you're all going to burn in hell and fundamental independent Baptist where like you were going out and knocking on doors and all that other stuff and evangelizing. You know, and you're not that person or like the idea of just like telling somebody about God and what he's done for you scares you. You know, you're just going to bring them to church. That's not what God tells each and every one of us. God tells each and every one of us, go and make disciples, right? Raising them up in the knowledge of who God is and what he calls us to do. So each of us has a mandate. It's great that we invite them to church. And But as Dave said earlier, what, what if that person lost a child? And what if they blame God? What if a, a person lost a spouse and they hate God? What if a person is a place that the last place they want to be is religion? What what if it is a, a gay couple and they had parents that were extremely conservative, extremely strict, and they rejected everything about religion where they're at? And you're that one person that would just be the thorn in their side. What if, on the other hand, you met them for dinner, you met them for a glass of wine, you met them for coffee, you met them, whatever, and you just talked about life and you just befriended them? Not ex- You don't have to accept and sit there and say, I affirm your lifestyle or I affirm your social cause. Maybe you're completely politically different. Being honest with who you are and as you get to be over time, you know, if they're a coworker, you, you, they're going to see something's different about you. Right. I mean, if if Dave is saying, you know, the words meet the actions and the actions meet the words, they're going to know. So in tough times, you know, they're going to say, hey, you know, can you can you help me? Can you think about this in in other ways? You know, they're going to acknowledge that and they're going to see something that's different. You don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not. You just have to be real and be humble and, and really seek that. And then I think when you you take that initiative that you're going out to meet this person, you're going out to talk to this person, you know, being, being kind, being in a situation, being where you're at with them and just being real. Once you start out a friendship and just a dialogue, it starts a whole new conversation. And then, you know, if politics, the two things we're not supposed to talk about in life with customers, with people, with neighbors is, is politics and religion, right? But, you know, good luck in, in 2020 and 2021 not talking about politics and religion. However, if they start to see that you're a really good neighbor or they start to see that, hey, this is a really good dad. This is a really good husband. This is a really good you know, friend. You know, and they start bringing like, tell me about your life. You know, you just start talking about God. You just start talking about like he's a friend of mine. He needs to be a friend of yours. 
That's a whole different conversation than me starting out saying, I reject your lifestyle. I reject your individuality, your individualism, your sexual tendencies, your politics. You're going to burn in hell. You know, that's really, you know, I mean, we go back to how to win friends and influence people. That's probably the worst thing you can do, right? But if all of a sudden you sit there and say, you know, oh, so you don't accept my lifestyle and you know, no, I wouldn't say that at all. I, I think, you know, as, as U.S. citizens, you have a right to whatever life you want. God bless you, you know, and whatever you want to do. However, if you're asking if you're asking me what my belief structure is, I believe that there's sin in the world. And this is what I believe. And I believe that all of us are sinners. Nobody's perfect, including me. And if anybody, I'm probably the biggest sinner amongst us all. And you start, like, debasing yourself. And letting you you let them see you as like your failures, your your iniquities, your your struggles, and and they're like, well, man, this guy's being really real. What are your struggles? Well, what what you know? What made you th- with this belief structure? What made you with this lifestyle? What made you with that? And a lot of times, when you have a conversation and you really meet people, treating them like you want to be treated, that opens up many different avenues and many different roadways to a path to have a real conversation. So with what you said, Dave, you know, if it's like, I have a hodgepodge of belief, you know, I'm somewhat Buddhist, I'm somewhat Christian, I'm somewhat Muslim, and I believe there's all different ways to go there. You know, and if you start out right away with, you know, this is it, versus having a relationship with them, and they ask you, hey, Dave, you know what, it's really cool. You know, we went out to dinner a couple of times. We were friends. What, what do you believe in? Why do you believe that? It's a whole different way to approach. And that's all I'm saying is, you know, you can sit there and you can use the message on the street corner preacher on the soapbox, turn or burn. You're going to burn in hell for your life choices, your lifestyle. Okay. For some people that may work for others. And especially now the more and more informed people are, it's not going to work as much. And so if we're looking at new ways to reform, new ways to like, you know, we see God moving, it's not always the that the old school is the best way. Not compromising truth. I don't have to I don't have to defend God. God can stand alone. I just have to tell what God's good news is for how much he loves you and I because of his son Jesus Christ. And oh, and better yet, after that, and and nothing better than what Christ has done for us, but Jesus, knowing that we couldn't do this on our own left his his spirit that he guides us each and every day. So even when I blow it and all those things that I told you I struggle with, he still gives me a way out. He still nudges me with that spirit. And he still wants me to do what's right. Two different conversations. What say you, Dave? You hit on a lot of great points in there. And and I think it would be good to, you know, just kind of use these to to I think wrap up this episode. But you know, you said Essentially, I'm going to summarize it as micro evangelism. You're doing little things to introduce these people to just connect with these individuals, to connect with a spiritually dead person. And it doesn't have to be, let me tell you about Jesus, or hey, here's a Bible, or <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the way it's going to be, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not micro evangelism, right? What you're looking for little opportunities to show grace and mercy and kindness and like to show the fruit of the spirit to show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and 
faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Like you're looking for opportunities to show those little things on a micro level with this individual. But while you're doing that, you need to be ready to maybe answer their questions. Hey, why are you different? And Dante, you hit on that. Well, I'm different because, (laughs) because this is my faith, right? You can, you can introduce a spiritually dead person to Jesus. He's got the rest after that right? Like, you know, as, as soon as that individual like turns their, turns, uh, their focus to Jesus, you're, you're just in the passenger seat at that point, And you're just watching this beautiful thing happen. But I think it's still incumbent on you to introduce them to Jesus and introduce them to the, to the gospel. And those are all things that you said, invite the individuals. Eventually it's not going to be the first time Dante, you, you hit the nail on the head. I don't think you know, the, the, you know, standing with the bullhorn on the corner, you know, it's like, um, I, I want to try and fix this, you know, very small problem with a sledgehammer. It's not going to work. I don't think it's very effective, but no, if it's not going to work. No. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about like micro evangelism and when you're thinking about just reflecting back on your own experience and you're, and you're real with these individuals and you say, look, I'm a sinner. Jesus tells us, you know, take the plank out of our eye first before we point out the speck in someone else's eye. We have to be able to do that. We have to be able to be vulnerable and take off the mask and say, look, I'm broken. Whatever, whatever sin that, that you have in your life, whatever challenges that you face right now, I understand because I am, I am a sinner as well. And if you need to, this is where having like a rock solid testimony and just being prepared to share your testimony, I think is so important because man, as soon as you, as soon as you open up that door a little bit, people will look at you and be like, holy smokes. And you're willing to tell me all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I sure am. Because I know like where I came from. I know the shoes that you're in right now. And I, I realize like how much of a burden it feels like. I, f- I remember how heavy it was to carry all of this stuff on my shoulders or to, you know, to wear this, not this stupid cloth mask, but you know, this, this proverbial mask that I would wear all the time and just pretend like everything was hunky dory when inside I was rotting to the core, man, it, it's so important to be able to share those sorts of things when you get to a comfortable point, like I said, not right off the bat, right? You're just looking for these individual opportunities so that you can start to point in very gentle, you know, gentle ways. Hey, my faith is in Jesus. You know, I trust God. I am a Christian, right? And eventually you're getting to the point where, Hey, here's the gospel. Here's the good news. And I'd like to invite you into that. Mm. I like that. I, you know, I, I think, Dave, that it's so important to the listener to, you know, we're told in Scripture, examine ourselves. Corinthians, you know, just uh, Colossians 3, really good application as far as spiritual and holy living. And I think, you know, in that sober moment, you know, prayer, you know, I think is essential. I think when we put it in perspective of, of having that, you know, a vertical conversation with God, and just really being overwhelmed by, man, I'm a jerk on a journey. And like you decided to save this, like all, all of my, all of my past. I mean, you know, think about like Paul, you know, once known as Saul the butcher. Think about David, you know, who killed a woman's husband to have sex with that woman and being, you know, the risk of being caught, 
you know, but still saying that he's got the heart of God. And then looking at me like, God, you're the God that, you know, saves adulterers, murderers, you know, uh, you know, all, all the, we read about Titus, Cretans, liars, you know, homosexuals, all this, you're the God that decides to save that person or you, you save me for all of my junk. And, and looking at that, it's just like, Having that sober-minded approach of like who I once was and undeserving of, of God dying on a cross for me as far as one hand is to the other is east to the west and taking all those sins and wrapping them and throwing them in the deepest part of the ocean never to be brought up to me again because of what God's son did on finishing work on a cross. He loves you and I that much. How can I thereby which hate somebody in the world that's dead to God at enmity with him and and want them to burn in an eternal lake of fire? I mean, like, seriously, even the most vile, evil person to sit there and say that God can't save them when he saved you and I? Totally agree. I want to I want to close this with. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Listeners, if you hear those words, if you hear a, like just the spiritually dead in the first couple of verses, and then but because of his great love for us in verse four, that's what we're talking about. We want to show individuals that we come into contact with who are spiritually dead. We want to show them the verse four moment that they can have. Because as soon as they welcome Christ into their life, like God showers them with mercy and he makes us alive because of what his son did. And that's such an awesome testimony. That's such an, that's such an amazing and perplexing and, and sometimes confusing thing to really understand when you're spiritually dead. And now you're just like, I don't, I don't quite understand but this is what I want. And when you get someone, when you help to get someone to that point, you are starting them on, on such an amazing path that's going to continue down the road. And honestly, we're going to get more into it in the next, in the next episode when we talk about spiritual infancy. But Dante, I, I, I hope you, I'm glad you like this topic because I think it's just really important to understand kind of what the process looks like you know, whether we're trying to disciple our children, whether we're trying to be effective in our communities, if we're trying to be, you know, if we're trying to build disciples in our church, if we're trying to just reach out through missions and things like that, it's very important to understand the process that happens. And so listeners, as you're listening to this, if this 
sparks any curiosity or, or, or kind of makes you think a little bit more, please reach out to us. You can reach us on, uh, on Instagram at Legacy Dads or in our closed Facebook group. Um, I'm Dave at LegacyDads.org. Dante is Dante at LegacyDads.org. We're always happy to receive emails and, and we're happy to engage in conversation with you. Dante, over to you to close us out. I just want to tell you guys that uh, I, I do appreciate this. I mean, Dave is, is hitting on a, um, a core, you know, if you're looking at a three-legged stool, um, stewardship, purity, and discipleship. And to be that effective witness that God calls you, I think, you know, tonight a friend of mine, that guy that leads worship, he also leads Celebrate Recovery. And so Tuesday night is Celebrate Recovery, and it's people that have habits, hangups, addictions, and all that. And one of the greatest things you could do if your local church has a Celebrate Recovery is go on Celebration Night, or I call it Chip Night. And so if you're there, you know, um, one day, one year, 10 years, 20 years, You'll, you'll see people getting a, a, a chip as far as what they're celebrating of, of how long they've been sober or how long they've been off drugs or how long, you know, they haven't been down the sexual path or whatever else like that, whatever their habit hang up and all that. And you look at that and it's just so humbling because, you know, it, it, it just puts Christ at the center. And you see these people realizing who they once were and thankful for that they're not there, but knowing that they are close enough that if they feed that beast and it becomes more. You and I, Dave, we were once that broken, that dead. And if I'm really honest, when I go to celebrate recovery to you know, be there with my friends or lift them up or celebrate them or, or be in that, it, it, it's such a great humbling thing for me to come home for because it's like, as far as I think I've come, if I'm being really honest to the listener, I know how close I am to going back to that old sin nature. And so it's extra special for me. So wherever you're at on this gambit of like looking at the spiritually dead, whether you would sit there and say, I, I'm an evangelist. I can go anywhere and talk about Jesus. I could be at a restaurant and see a server in need and pray for her. Or you're like, no, 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 no. I, I bring her to the pastor. I bring her to that men's leader, ministry leader. I bring her to that women's leader and I'll talk about Jesus and I'll do that. Wherever you're at, all Dave and I are asking you is tonight, think about those that were are dead in spirit, never knowing God. And maybe like Dave is the guy that's going to work the field, okay, buy him dinner and all that. And I'm the guy that comes over and plants a seed after Dave does that work and talking about Jesus. Maybe it's a combination of a bunch of people that are doing this in this person's life. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is what grows that seed into just unbelievable, like a mustard seed, you know? And that's the thing is like, if I look at that responsibility, what God's given each and every one of us, we all have a role to do. And and what's your role? And all Dave and I are asking you to, to do tonight is think about those that are dead, that were once you and I. What can I, what's the one thing I can do differently? If I got that neighbor that drives me nuts with those dogs that never start bar barking, how can I go over there and show them the love of God? You know, if I got that one person I work with it, oh, I just look at and it's, you know, I get like pissed before I even look at them and I'm thinking about that. What is the one thing that I can do to show them what's different about me and the love of God? And just having that that spiritual wisdom, asking God, even when I don't like, Lord, give me the eyes to see and the ears to hear and to be able to go to the dead and and, and just proclaim a God who raises the dead to life.
That's what we're asking. So, Dave, I, you know, thank you. You know, you're getting the juices flowing. You're getting me going again. You're getting me on my soapbox. I'm sure Saturday morning the guys are going to love me because I'm just going to be, like, all pumped up. But so, listeners, you know, God bless you guys. You know, just want to thank all the listeners out there. want to thank, you know, Christian Parenting and, and your encouragement and everything else like that. And I just want to sit there and say, you know, if there are things out there, like Dave gave you all the different venues by which to reach us, we want to comfort, encourage you, and urge you to take that next step. And just have a different, you know, look at whether it's somebody that's politically opposite than you, personally op- opposite of you, or somebody that you would sit there and say, Lord, send me to anybody to witness to but that person. To think about that person that was dead in God, you know, dead in spirit, and like you once were. And to have you have that sympathy and the empathy to show that person the love of God. That's what we're asking you for tonight. And with that, guys, we'll close it out. We'll see you next week. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Legacy Dads Podcast with Dave and Dante, real men, authentic faith. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit LegacyDads.org and on Facebook.com slash LegacyDads and on Twitter at Legacy underscore Dad. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time on the Legacy Dads Podcast, real men, authentic faith.